now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the Rap Sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Let's start with a new segment. Where in the world is Ian Rappaport? Ian, where are you today? I am in Mobile, Alabama, obviously, uh, the site of the Senior Bowl, and always one of my favorite events of the year. All the college prospects are coming down here. Um, Baker Mayfield not here yet. It was a family situation, so he is coming tomorrow. Um, but a lot of the top prospects are here, which is a good place to watch them and even better place for me to gossip. Outstanding. So we'll get to the draft analysis momentarily. Let's start with coaching news based on your conversations. Why did the Titans select Mike Vrabel to be their new head coach? Well, they're looking for a leader. And, and, you know, there's obviously been a lot of discussion about Rabel's qualifications. You know, very, very good player, but was a position coach in college and just a coordinator for one year in the NFL. But um, they believe he can command the room. Uh, They like his choice of offensive coordinator, Ryan Day, the Ohio State offensive coordinator, is the name to watch there. They want someone who can come in and develop Mariota, but but really just um, get the most out of the players um, on a variety of levels. And and he's someone that is respected. Uh, His playing career speaks for itself, and uh, they think that that's something that can reach these players. That's why they're willing to sort of overlook his lack of experience. When you talk about Mike Vrabel and you mentioned the experience that he's had as a player, um, as a position coach, and and also now a, a, a coordinator, now a, a head coach, uh, can he come in and fix a Marcus Mariota? Because it sounds as if the system that Mike Malarkey was running was the reason why Marcus Mariota couldn't be as efficient or even the downfield throws. Do you think Mike Vrabel actually come in and get that done for him? That's what they hope. But now the Marcus Mariota factor is, is sort of varied because, remember, similar to Derek Carr, you know, he broke his leg last year at the end of the year, did not really have an offseason. So, you know, whereas you go into your third year, that's generally the year, you know, you, you make a huge leap. He didn't have an offseason this past year, so he didn't really get to make the leap and, you know, ends up in a place, again, just like Derek Carr, where you come out on the field and you're just not quite looking like yourself. And then this year – you know, he was still clearly injured during during the season. Um, there was even some talk he may end up needing another surgery. Probably not going to happen, but it was just not himself. So there were some physical things. You know, obviously, once you start doubting yourself, that sort of can, can take over. Um, but the choice of the offensive coordinator is a huge one. And if it does turn out to be, you know, Ryan Day, who can bring that sort of Chip Kelly-ness to their offense, um, that's obviously what they believe can, can maybe take them to the next level. Chatting with our NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Let's wrap up the coaching carousel for now with the news from Arizona today. Why did the Cardinals decide that Panthers defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes should be their new leader? Now, I was told this story. Uh, Steve Kime was in the Carolinas. He was on vacation on a beach, and a man walked up to him and, and said hello and introduced himself. Uh, and they had a conversation, and, and Kime was struck by just how dynamic this guy was. Um, just really liked him as a person and wanted to find out more about him. And that was Steve Wilkes. Um, kept that in his head the whole time, went through the head coach interview. And, you know, obviously Wilkes as a coach, just as a coordinator, uh, you know, the things he does with that defense is fantastic. But this was a guy who was a big-time leader on the team. When Ron Rivera stepped away or had personal issues, it was Wilkes, not Sean McDermott, who took over. Um, they think he's a big-time leader, um, kind of like Mike Vrabel, but it's, you know a little more accomplished in coaching. Um, this is a hire I know they're extremely excited about. In watching that uh, that New England Patriots game with Blake Bortles, uh, many would say that. 
the reason why they became so conservative is because of the, the lack of confidence in Blake Bortles. Give me your take on how you saw him play that game and what does a game like that mean for his future as a quarterback there in Jacksonville? Well, I thought he handled himself okay. You know, honestly, like, he made the biggest throw he needed to make. It's just Stephon Gilmore made a better play. You know, and, that, and that's just – that's kind of part of the deal is, is he made a good throw and Gilmore made a great play. They did get conservative. Um, and I don't know if it was, you know, Bortles or if it was, oh, wow, we're about to beat the Patriots. Let's sort of, you know, change what we're doing. I mean, that, that happens sometimes. It's like in golf when you go out there and you start with, you know, five birdies in a row or something. You're like, wow, I'm definitely not this good. You know, maybe they kind of started to doubt themselves a little bit, got a little conservative. And, you know, all of a sudden, all the Patriots really need is a window. And, man, they had that window there and seized it and and made sure that they closed out an incredible, an incredible win to, to, you know, rob Jackson of everything they they wanted to do. Ian Rappaport is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, beyond Case Keenum reverting to his old form yesterday, if we're talking about a larger sample size and Minnesota wants to keep him, what kind of guaranteed money could he be receiving the offseason? Here's my commentary. I think it'd be insane to give him the franchise tag. Well, the problem is, uh, I do not think it's insane. And the problem is, who are you going to get that's better? And that's all these discussions. Every quarterback discussion needs to be framed with, you know, all right, you're the Bills and you want to move on to Tyrod Taylor. You're the Redskins. You think you can do better than Kirk Cousins? No problem. Good luck. Um, Ian, I would trade for Alex Smith if he's available. How about that? You would, but then you're going to be paying a draft pick. Okay. And you're going to be paying 23 or $4 million worth of salary. That's the problem. It's, you know, and there's only one Alex Smith. So there's no, you know, there's no guarantee you're going to get him. And that's the problem is, you know, quarterbacks are so expensive. You have someone who you can play with. You know, he's not Tom Brady, but there's only a couple Tom Brady's. Um, so is he good enough to where you can build a team around him and get to this point? I mean, Case Keenum was good enough. He got to the NFC title game. Case Keenum got the NFC title game. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to lose his coordinator, and that does make you wonder as well what's going to be like next year. Yeah, and, that, and that's a big one for him because, you know, to, to go from where he came from to all of a sudden have a chance to have that much success with Coach, uh, Coach Sherman, you automatically hope and wish for his case uh, that he could keep him around. But think about Nick Foles and what he did for himself. Like, he, like what do you do with Nick Foles after having two games, back-to-back games, and played his better game in the NFC Championship game against arguably the better defense uh, in the NFC, and obviously they killed that one. So what happens with Nick Foles moving forward? He becomes the best backup in the NFL, and you hope that he never plays again. Um, and maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe after he's out of contract, he leaves, or maybe, you know, you trade him, but I don't see why anybody would ever want to trade him. Right. I mean, you could trade maybe if you get a first-round pick, but think about how amazing he is. Your starter, one of the best in the league, gets injured, and you make the Super Bowl. What price would someone else have to give you to give up a quarterback who you have that kind of confidence in? It's amazing. Having a backup quarterback who you like is the most amazing thing in the world, and I know the Eagles are loving it right now. Finally, because you're in the Senior Bowl practice session, let's wrap it up with draft conversation. Based on the early chats you're having with scouts and executives, how polarizing is Baker Mayfield? How broad is the spectrum when it comes to where he could go in the first round? Um, it's pretty broad. Now, most people think he's a top 15 pick that I've spoken with. Dynamic on the field. 
He's not for everyone. He's probably going to be short. Might be under six feet. I think that was some of the discussion today. Is how actually tall is he going to be? But on the field, there's no question. You know, it's just really you have to just do your homework. Is he Johnny Manziel? Is he Johnny Manziel light? Is he just a guy who got busted one time having fun and is really just a good kid? I mean, the main thing is going to be the homework. But from a playing standpoint, um, it seems there are fewer questions than Manziel had. I'll say that. So I, I would. And the people I've spoken with, I would see him being a top 15 pick, definitely. It's really a question of, is he like a top five pick? Thank you, and Enjoy your time in Alabama. We'll chat with you on Wednesday here on NFL No Huddle. Thank you. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart, live on the NFL on Tune. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.